Hey guys, I'm Adam Rapport, and this is the Bon Appetit Foodcast. All right, this week we have food director Carla Lolly Music talking with cookbook author Jessica Batalana, whose latest cookbook, Repertoire, is all about finding those recipes that you turn to again and again and again. Um, she and Carla talk about what it really takes to uh, cook dinner on a weeknight, especially with kids, and how to do that successfully. Oh, and speaking about kids, uh, after that, Associate Editor Emil Stonic chats with two very special guests, Marlon Rappaport, my 10-year-old son, and Cosmo Music, Carla's 8-year-old son? I want to say he's 8. 8-ish? Eight, something like that. He has an interesting answer when asked how old he is on this show. Yeah, it's the BA Kids on the BA Podcast. All right, let's do this. Here is Carla and Jessica Badalana. Um, so, Jessica, thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. We are here to talk about repertoire. We Is are. that how you say it when you do press? Yeah, you know, repertoire. Repertoire. I, to, I don't want to make that's... it too fancy, right? Yeah, no, I made it very fancy yes. just now <laughs> in my, like, you know, butchered high school French. So there's so many cool things about this book. And actually, when I, before we even had the podcast set up to talk, my entree into the book was through Samin's column in New York Times Magazine yeah. about the green goddess dressing, yeah. which for those of you who don't know, Samin Nasrat, who's like an amazing chef, instructor, cookbook author, and friend, and has done recipe stories with us, her column in the New York Times, she wrote about your green goddess and how she kept referring to you as you're like her brilliant friend who has like all these amazing ideas for like cooking at home and one of them is like you don't have to make your own aioli <laughs> and I think it was you know I was sold on like green goddess pretty much is all yeah. you need to say to get me I was like well I'm in it to win it yeah. just for this green goddess recipe but I thought it was so funny just that perspective it's so that I think the opposite of what most home cooks think about making a dressing is like it wouldn't even include starting with aioli. No. But for Samin, it was like, well, how could you not start with making your own aioli? She's a real roots up cook, which is one of I mean, she's a brilliant cook and a brilliant thinker. And uh, yeah, but she said to me you know, that she, she got the book and she read the first recipe, which is for the greenest green salad. And right. the second ingredient in that is for Hellman's mayonnaise. Right. And she was like a little bit dismissive, I think. And I was like, you know, so I mean, I know how to make an aioli. There's a recipe in the book for aioli, like a few pages later. It's true. But like, you need to know like when to lean out. Right. <laughs> you know, and I think like the whole book is sort of like, where does it matter? Right. You know, where should you take the extra step? Where can you like streamline so that you can actually get dinner on the table? Um, and, you know, Samin, like, she doesn't have, like, two little kids. Right. So that's a big part of it for you, your life. And I, I, I love the description of this as, you know, being married, having two kids, working, and coming home, and um, having to make dinner. So, so just explain to people who haven't um, read the book, explain the concept of the gauntlet. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, this will make people never want to have children. But I mean, you know, you have children as well. And my boys are six and four. So they're, they're little, you know, and we get them. But from big school. enough to be really inconvenient. Yeah, I mean, big yeah. enough to torture us, right. but not big enough to be helpful yet. Um, <laughs> you know, so we get them from school and everyone's like tired and, you know, cranky. And then we get home, you know, and the question at my house is the same as it is for like at every household, like 
across America, like what's for dinner? So even though I work with recipes and with food all the time, like I still have to make dinner all the time. Um, and so we all get home and our, we live in an 800 square foot house in San Francisco and my kids just start like shedding all of their belongings like the minute the door opens. So it's like backpacks and shoes and like everything. Right. Like the contents of their backpacks are like vomited all over. Yeah. But, you know, my first grader has homework now, you know, so there's homework. There's just like, it's a grind. Like yeah. in that period of time that I used to like leisurely devote to like, what am I going to make? And what f- like four stores will I go to to get the right. ingredients? Like forget about it. So I needed this, I, you know, it was really the kids that were the impetus for this book because like I, you know, it was like either I totally give up and I just do prepared foods or we just like eat cereal. Which would dinner. be as someone who, like you said, you're, you work in food, you develop recipes, you write about food. That's a lot of leaning out. Yeah, it would like, be that lame. would be pretty weird. <laughs> it would be pretty lame. Yeah. But I did totally recognize that what I like, you know, what I was going to cook had to change if I actually wanted to keep making food at home. Right. Um, and I did. And so then it was like the, the this collection of like durable, delicious, straightforward recipes that I could kind of cook by heart. You right. Know? Um, and the book then it sort of filled itself up. You know, once I had that idea of like people need this, like all of my friends, you know, whether you have children or not, I think the time that we devote to dinner, like shopping and prepping and cooking and eating is like condensed and condensed and condensed. And so, you know, I felt like if, I, if I'm if i feeling this way, I'm certainly not the only person that's feeling this way. Right. Um, I have a lot of friends who, who love to cook and, and <laughs> there's a time and a place for sort of project cooking or long and leisurely cooking or starting at the market and going from there. But yeah, it doesn't matter if you have kids or you don't. Like most weeknights are not that. You know, but I think people still want to be able to like feed themselves good food and you know I think there's there's been this sort of conflict between like you know straightforward quick Mm -hmm. recipes and like real food like you know it was like either or like you can either have like a 30 minute main course or you can have like a great dinner but they can't be the same thing and that is just not true yeah and I also think we have this idea of like repetition I think repetition sort of has a negative connotation Mm -hmm. people think of like scales or like learning a language or like multiplication tables so to advocate for a repertoire in the kitchen, I think, you know, is somewhat of a challenging idea. You know, I sort of feel like you don't need like hundreds of recipes. Like you don't need to master hundreds of recipes. Like if you master like 15 recipes, yeah. you know, in my house, we probably cook five nights of the week yeah. and, you know, go out or get food, you know, the other two. And so I'm like with 15 recipes, like you've got three weeks without repeats. Right. And then it turns out everybody loves repeats. Like yeah. nobody in my house is ever like, oh, like spaghetti and meatballs again, especially with children. Like, Right. So it's another another way of thinking of it is this like having a canon of favorites totally. um, and being able to execute those like reliably, knowing how long they take, yeah. um, seasonal variations. And then you can riff on them a little bit. I think, you know, the more you cook it, you get to know a recipe and you're like, oh, next time I'm going to try it like this. And right. also it's helpful at the store. Because I often go to the store with like the 50 yard stare, you know, and you're mm-hmm. just kind of like looking like and then my, you know, my brain like activates. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, right. I know how to make I could do this with that ingredient. Thinking about family meals and I have two boys of my own, but they're they're 14 and eight. So we're in like a whole other where the 14 know. year old is Don't like, tell me. <laughs> he is so hungry, but he doesn't want to say how hungry he is because he feels like. 
it's like too much. I don't, I think he's very rare. I think most 14 year old boys like come home, eat whatever they can get their hands on, drink the milk out of the container and yeah. then like look at you like what, what else? What's for dinner got? now? Yeah. yeah. And then his, and his little brother recently decided he was a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. So that was really sure. f- fascinating. So I have like one person who like would eat an entire steak if I would give it to him and is like very growing sort of like in front of us. The other guy is like, Oh, no, thank you. I won't be eating meat ever again. Perfect. I don't know with guys who are close together and younger how much, like, this is your option. This is the grown-up option. This is, like, the kid part of it. This is what what you and your wife are going to have. Do you just put it all out there and people have to deal? Or how do you how do you work through that? Yeah, I um, I don't really give options. I yeah. talk in the book about something I describe as the macaroni and cheese death spiral. Mm-hmm. And I think I hear a lot of parents who are like, my kids only eat macaroni and cheese and, you know, like chicken fingers, you know, and I, I know some kids are like, I'm lucky. My kids are not super picky, but I think like, you know, kids are not born eating only two things. Right. And if you start only making them two things because you think they'll only eat two things, like you're kind of like, you know, you've, in some ways you've done it to yourself, right? Right. So the kid who's like, I only eat chicken fingers is like, and there seems to always be chicken fingers. Right. Because that's the thing I would like to eat. Yeah. I do think that's like a natural thing in childhood development where yeah. they're like, you know what? The world is really complicated. I have very too little control over anything that's yeah. happening, but I know I like chicken fingers. So could yeah. we just stick That's what with it that? is. It's a control thing, I yeah. think. And, you know, I, I don't want the dining room table to become like a battleground you know that is never and you guys sit down together always sit down you know my mom she raised three children and she was is a great cook and she never I was just asking my brother about this I was like am I misremembering like did mom ever make us separate meals and he was like never right and none of our peers like you know I'm I'll be 40 this year like nobody got a separate dinner I mean it's hard enough to make one dinner yeah and then, you know, I do have friends that are like, well, I make like my daughter only eats like chicken on the bone. And I'm just like, this is crazy town. Like, it's already <laughs> crazy town enough. Like, right. what are you doing? I mean, I always have like some like safety ingredient. Like there's always like bread and butter. Right. Or like rice or, you know, some sort of gr- like non-polarizing grain option. Um, and then I don't worry about it. I feel like, you know, over the, and I don't worry in, day in, day out. Like, did they eat all the rainbow today? Like, no. Right. Today they just ate brown. One of the ingredients, one of the, one of the dishes that I paused on because I love grabiche is this um, asparagus with grabiche. So it's like a creamy hard boiled egg, kind of tartary yeah. dressing, yeah. which I've always loved. And so I was staring at that picture and I would just, I was, I was thinking to myself like, okay, would I would you leave the sauce off like it's there yeah. but it's an optional add-on or how much of that kind of thinking my younger son is a choosy he's very selective yes he'll eat oyster he'll eat a dozen oysters on the half shell but if you if you tried to get him to eat you know something with capers in it he would be like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no <laughs> you know and it's just like it doesn't really make sense but I also want to make sure he eats well you know. we do deconstructed stuff a lot and there's stuff in the book like there's the vermicelli noodle bowls and it's you know vermicelli and it's pickled carrots and it's lots of herbs and fried shallots and meatballs and peanuts and my kids will eat the noodles right and they'll eat the meatballs like you know separate from right. the noodles and they might like make a sal- <laughs> salad quote unquote with like the peanuts 
you know, and maybe some of the, maybe some of the lettuce. Yeah. Uh, but and then my wife and I will eat everything. So we all have the like impression of eating the same meal. We are eating the same meal. Like I haven't made anything different. I've just sort of like let the choose your own adventure thing happen. And I think because it is a lot about control. Um, there's like the tortilla soup in the book. Mm-hmm. Like it's a pretty mellow chicken broth. Right. Um, and that you can amp it up if you want to. Yeah. And that's what we, we do a lot of. Um, so how did these dishes end up being the ones? Because as someone, you know, working in food and, and collaborating with chefs, like when you went through your mental list, was it, how did you get f- from the hugeness that I'm sure is stored in your brain to these recipes? I did spend a lot of time sort of reflecting on the things that we actually come back to all the time, you know, because there's lots of things I know how to make. There's lots of other stuff that isn't in the book that I like to eat. Um, But yeah, I sort of did a little bit of like, okay, like, is this something that truly like we make over and over again? Like, can I really stand by this? Like, it's not something I invented for the book. Right. And there's a few places like we, I photographed the book. I didn't photograph the book. Ed Anderson photographed the book and we worked together on it. And by the time we got to the photography stage, we did like four rounds of photography. We didn't shoot anything that I didn't intend to put in the book. But I found this photograph the other day for the salad. It had like beets and like fried chickpeas and feta. And I was like, well, that looks delicious. And then I was like, why did it not make it in the book? And I was like, oh, because it's not like it's something that I made once and was tasty. But, you know, and I remember my wife being like, well, we've never eaten that thing. Right. Like, it's good, but, you know. It's not your on repeat. Yeah. And if yeah. you're only going to put 70, I mean, only, 75 is both a lot and, you know, not so many when you're a food person. But yeah. I felt like if I was only going to put 75 in there, like, I wanted them to really be, you know, the sort of slam dunk favorites. And I think, like, the whole point with this book was that it comes from this really, um, sort of honest place like I've been saying they're real recipes from real life that Mm -hmm. really work and it's you know I didn't have like a prop stylist I didn't have a food stylist it was just me and Ed like I made all the food that Mm -hmm. we photographed in the book you know I worked on the recipes by myself and I I, if you came to dinner tomorrow like I would make something from the book not because like I'm you know pushing this book but because it is really what we're cooking and eating right and all this spring when I've been on book tour and doing all these events like I've been sort of struggling with the like what's for dinner mm-hmm. and then I'm like oh wait I've got, I've I have this these book. all written down and I'm just gonna you know and it's been nice too like my um my wife who has a regular job is she's a great cook but she doesn't you know I'm the one who gets home earlier I'm the one usually working on something so I usually do dinner but she's been able to like cook from the book the things that we all love and that's been really nice and you know someday I think like oh maybe my kids will I, I hate cooking with them now you know it's terrible but right. <laughs> you know that at some point they'll like yeah. have this guide to these recipes. I remember that moment was, you know, when I got into my first off-campus apartment in college and I wasn't one of those people who who felt the need to cook elbow to elbow with my mom. My mom's an incredible cook, but growing up, I never felt the need to go join her at the stove because I was like, she's got this. Yeah, she's like, exactly. <laughs> everything is going great. Yeah, she does you know? not need my help. Right, and she I, le- and I like to cook, but it wasn't that thing of, you know, sort of learning everything until I got to college and I was in this apartment and I was like Sunday, you know, Sunday evening rolled around and I was like, wait, how do I get pasta visioli? Like, <laughs> what's going to happen? <laughs> um, and that was when, that's like one of my first written down recipes was that phone call to my mom yeah you know and if she had just said like here's my book yeah right you're gonna need this you're gonna need and this. also like a set of pot and pots and pans yeah um, totally but it is you know that's like such a nice 
sort of thing to be able to have. Also teaching children to cook before they leave the house as as far as a sort of a, a life skill. Yeah. You know, in addition to being able to do your laundry, yeah. cook yourself a meal, and I don't know, like... I guess basic hygiene like yeah. these are things that like you need <laughs> yeah, you, you need really to need to know these things and as a parent it is sort of on us to like minimum minimum like basis covered yeah. here I love um you probably have seen Cal Peternell's yeah. book 12 recipes yeah you know, which is about teaching his sons to cook totally you know and mine is like you know it's more subtle than that but I do hope that someday Although I did a um, a little book trailer for the book, and at the end of it, the videographer like asked the kids like what their favorite things to eat were, and then they proceeded to list like a dozen things that aren't in the book. Sure. They were like hot dogs, hot fudge sundaes. <laughs> I was like, you know, you guys, if everyone could please get on board here, like this is a family effort. But. I used to bring home um, copies of Bon Appetit. I mean, I still do, but I remember there was a phase where I was bringing home copies of the magazine a lot um, in the first few years that I worked here. And I would bring home the new issue and I would give it to my to my son, who's now 14, but then was like nine. And I would say like, flip through this and like pick out, you know, any dishes that look good to you to eat. And like, we'll put them on the like dinner roster. And every time I did it, inevitably, he would choose the, like, whatever was on, like, the Philadelphia cream cheese, like, <laughs> ad that it would have, like, a beautiful, like, whipped thing. And I would be like, that's an ad. And he was like, oh, okay. And then, like, flip a few more pages and it would be, like, the, you know, whatever the other craft, like, that's amazing. mac and cheese. I was like, that's an ad. And he was like, okay, before I go any further, could you just tell me how I'm supposed to know like which food <laughs> to look at and I was like right so the ones that are ads are usually going to have a picture of a thing that you buy in the supermarket and the other ones won't have that on the same page he was like got it <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> I, I was like here's a new set of post-it notes yeah Let's start over again. start over so you said something earlier that I want to go back to about leaning like knowing when to lean out yeah. and sort of this idea that that of course you can make a creamy salad dressing without like culturing your own cream first. Yes. And I find that when I open up my refrigerator a lot, a, a, most of it is, it doesn't matter like if we've eaten everything out of the fridge or not, because it seems like 60 to 70% of what I have in there is condiments, dressing, you know, not store-bought dressings, but your mustards or mayos, mm-hmm. all of the hot sauces, yeah. and then a lot of basic ingredients that end up in a, a, a lot of places. Yeah. So like everything from Worcestershire to lemons, yeah. you know, and it's like those things kind of are always there. Yeah. So when it comes to, you know, building a meal, like what, what are the things that, how do you decide what, where you lean out and like where you don't have compromises? I don't even want to say it like that because it's judgy, yeah. Yeah. but where you're like, yeah, of course, I'm just going to turn to that. There's, you know, even with pickles, like, are you yeah. pickling your own pickles or? I le- I'm and now I've become a big leaning out advocate. Yeah. What are things. the, what are those, like, what are the things? Do you go all the way to, you know, pre-washed veg or? That I don't do, but I actually don't feel super, I don't feel judgy about any of it really. I mean, I feel maybe not judgy. That's, that's the wrong word, but I think like. I don't buy like salad dressings, things like that. Like I think those are so easy to make and I think that's like a, another sort of like life skill. I mean, I think it's like the goal with the book too is like get people 
to actually cook things. Mm -hmm. And if actually cooking something like means for you that you have to like buy the pre-cut like butternut squash, like, okay, like that's okay. If like actually cooking for you means that like you need to buy a pre-washed lettuce, like, all right. Like I think for a lot of people, it's like, that's a huge step. And you know, I want people to, yeah, I wanted the book to sort of empower people to cook all the time. And you know, I, um, I do. I've done two things the last few years that have kind of changed my perspective about cooking. One is that I cook. I'm the lunch lady at my kids' school three days a week. Amazing. So I make a from scratch lunch for 220 people three wow. days a week. And then the other thing that I do is um, I cook at uh, hospice, um, a Zen hospice in San Francisco for um, end of life patients. And it's been really interesting because it's like I, I've had this sort of awakening about like I am not my food, right? right. Like, I don't have a lot of ego about it. Like, I know I'm a good cook. Like, I know I can make aioli from scratch, like, if I want to. But, like, I don't have to either. Like, I don't feel like – I think when I was younger and, like, first starting out, I felt like I had sort of, like, a lot to prove. Like, if it can be made from scratch, like – I shall do it. I'm going to do it. And I'm like, I don't – you know, like – yeah, and then not. there's some things that are perfect, like Hellman's mayonnaise. Yes. You know, I'm waiting for Hellman's like, just to get me on the like the dole as their uh, as their spokes model. Same. You know, I mean, <laughs> Hellman's, are you listening? <laughs> yeah, but I think, um, you know, I still like do things with like fresh herbs. You know, I still think that that sort of stuff is right. important. Um, like fresh citrus. Like I don't understand why people buy like lemon juice and those like lemons except those lemon things are so cute but other than that like they taste terrible though they taste terrible if you tasted them um and that's the thing i mean i think it's like it's fine to um you know to get like ready to go stuff if it's not like a huge sacrifice in in quality right Um, and also i'm very cheap so um i feel like a lot of those like you know condiments especially like if you get the good quality ones are expensive like i was talking i was teaching a class the other day and i did the harissa honey chicken mm-hmm. and the harissa is like a five minute situation to make it from scratch to make it from scratch and it's so delicious yeah and um you know and there are other delicious packaged harissas out there but they're like 12 dollars for like a teeny jar and you would need like an entire jar and then some to make this to make that to make recipe chicken, you know so i so just building that into i also i also think we love we call for harissa too sometimes store-bought sometimes making it yeah. but it is one of those ingredients that you can't be sure people are going to be able to get right um and then they vary so wildly in terms of level of heat yeah. and like what the dominating spice is yeah. going to be so i could see that where you, when you call for something like Hellman's, Hellman's, are you listening? You know exactly what you, yeah, you know. It's a you known don't have quantity to, exactly, and I feel like when we do call for something like a jarred harissa, sometimes it's sort of explaining what it is, yeah. and then also saying you might need two teaspoons and you might need a quarter cup because yeah. it like totally like the heat level is going to totally vary. Right. There was another recipe that you titled Cheater's Tortilla. Oh yeah. Which is not like a flour tortilla, but for people listening, like the Spanish style tortilla like potato, olive oil, egg, omelet. We had a whole internal conversation the other day about whether cheaters indicated like um, cheat day. But oh, it's not no. that. No, no. Um, I don't believe we're talking those. about a title, like <laughs> titling, or right? if that's if that's the case. Um, but where where did you like? What's the cheating part of that tortilla? Well, so traditionally the recipe is you know you you have the skillet on the stove and you pour in the egg and potato mixture and you cook it you know on the bottom side and then you slide it out. You know it's not set on top, so it's still got this loosey goosey egg situation. You slide it out into a plate and then you overturn a plate on it and you 
invert it, it, invert it, and then like slide it back into the skillet. I mean, and I don't know, like maybe. Maybe people don't mind like the eggy mess situation. Like maybe they're because like, it ends less, up all over the plate. Yeah, maybe they're less klutzy yeah. than I am, and they can like get it in without getting it on the burner. You know, like there's also I learned I was in Spain last October, and there's these like double sided tortilla mm-hmm. pans. It's like a frying pan with a frying pan on top. You right. know, and I was like, oh well, sure. Like you can fl- you know flip you just all turn you it want over. It's you... like sealed together. But I stopped making tortilla after I like got you know, egg every, I was like, okay. And then I'm like, you know, I don't, I'm not like bound to like tradition. I, right. Like, You're I not running a traditional Spanish no. restaurant here. This is. Although I will say the, um, the Washington post ran that recipe. And then I saw some tweet from Jose Andreas and it was just like, I'm trying to, to guess the sound he was making. It was something like, uh, you know, like uh-huh. it was like a PFFFT situation. And I was like, I don't think that's good. You know? Right. So, but he's a chef. So that's another thing, sort of your background, you know, having worked in restaurants, but not necessarily on the line. So, so when you were at Chez Panisse, you were exposed to all of everything that's going on, but from the position of reservationist, right? And so how do you, how do you think that that perspective influenced you as a home cook? Like, as it, good or bad yeah I think actually even more probably relevant I've done I've co-authored chef cookbooks Mm -hmm. um five of them and uh in in all different cuisines like I did one with Charles Fan from the Slanted Door most recently I did one with Matt Jennings at Townsman Mm -hmm. you know and it was always my role in these collaborations to be like waving the flag for the home cook um like nobody like if it can only be done in a Vitamix like we can't that's not fair to people. Right. Like if you need to have like a chinois, like right. no. Um, and so, you know, I feel like I continue to do that with this book. And the book has like, you know, I've learned from all of those collaborations. Like there are things that have made my cooking like smarter and, and faster um, or like flavor combinations that I wouldn't have thought of before these collaborations. And some of those have made their way into my repertoire for sure. But yeah, I just wanted to to make it you know, really approachable. And right. I think like, I, I know when you read a recipe and you're like, I'm not going to like, if I'm not going to do it and yeah. I have like a pretty well stocked kitchen and like, I do this for a living, like no for, one forget it. It's forget a pretty it. hard sell. Um, yeah. I think we go, we experience that a lot working with the chefs that we work with at Bon Appetit, who we are like, inspire us so much and are incredible. And we love eating out and everybody on staff loves to travel and, And there is always inevitably when we do chef recipes, there's a moment of sort of reckoning, like, you know, which (laughs) way, how does the chef see like what's happening here? I think through that sort of learning what exactly what you're describing, like what translates to home and what's just a non-starter and what and how can you take like the core essence of like why a dish was great yeah, because it was impaired flavor but you know the the some of the nuance of how silky that sauce was it's not the same it's not the same or like you know i think a lot of the chefs you know if they don't go to regular grocery stores no and, and they also don't cook at home a right. lot this was another thing that just sort of having interviewed people over years and years when you ask them like well what do, well what would you do if you had to make this at home and it's like, just like no i would it's never it's like what <laughs> yeah, like where you huh. know home where and you know it's a huge difference yeah so sort of being you know approaching recipes 
from the perspective of a home cook for home cooks right. kind of eliminates that lost I mean, in how translation. Many times have you looked at a recipe in a book and then you see that it has like 47 sub recipes and you're so like. So that's probably my number one oh pet peeve God. about cookbook recipes is you'll look at the ingredient list. It looks short and sweet. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, this seems really simple. Great. I'm going to come back to this later. And then you look at it and you're b- being bounced into the sauce chapter yeah. to get the Which sauce. Which has like 14 ingredients in sauce and. Yeah, I mean, and I didn't want to do that because I know how annoying that is, you know? And I think it's it's actually interesting because I think it's hard. Like some restaurant chef books are like, they're beautiful because they're like this expression of a place in time. Right. And they're not meant to be cooked from, really, you know? And that's like, yeah, that's a great thing. That's an interesting that. sure. genre. But there are some, I think, that everyone claims that they're supposed to be for home cooks. And you're like, I, that's not true. Do you think you could have written this book if you hadn't done the collaborations that you've done? I think so. I think it was useful as far as like the mechanics of writing a book. You know, I was not like a first timer to that. Um, And it was actually sort of nice because, you know, all the chefs I've collaborated with are like lovely people, but like not deadline driven, you know, beyond like that night's service. And so there's like a lot of bird dogging of like, could you just please send me and could you not send the recipe in like a 75 part text message? followed up with an email, you know, followed up. with So it was nice. I was like, oh, I have a deadline. I'm just going to like go ahead and meet that deadline. Right. You know, and then when the questions came back, like either from recipe testers or from the copy editor or my editor, like I didn't have, you know, I wasn't like, oh, I don't know. Let me find out. Let right. me track down. And then we're like, maybe we have to cook it again. Like, right. I it was like all with you. So there, that was satisfying. And so doing the collaborations, going through that cookbook process, were there things that you – were there ideas that you got from working on somebody else's book that like maybe you didn't even do in that book, but sparked this like, oh, when I do my book, yeah. we're going to do this. Well, I think sort of the idea of a, of a repertoire too, like you come by it as like by collecting recipes from like all over the place, right? right? So there's some in there like that are pretty direct homages to those collaborations, like uh, the candy pork in the mm-hmm. book, like the sauce for that is um, palm sugar and coconut water. And that's a combination with shallots and, and Thai chilies. That's a combination that I learned from Charles Fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and his is, you know, a bit more, he does something more elaborate with that sauce. But I was like, oh, that's a good one. Like, right. That is a flavor combination that I love. Um, and so that I definitely pulled in there. Certainly, like, this is not a chef collaboration, but the, like, the aioli in there is inspired by, like, all those lunches that we got as when I worked at Chez Panisse. Like, everyone on staff got to eat lunch, and it was always amazing, and there was always aioli there. I mean, it's pretty nice. Yeah, so there's, like, little, I think, bits and pieces of things that are definitely inspired by people I've met, like, people I've cooked with, places mm-hmm. I've gone, like, which I think everyone's repertoire sort of develops in that way. Right. You know, like, some that you grow up with, some that you pick up along the way. Right. You're also, it looks like, a pretty amazing baker. <laughs> um, just flipping through the dessert section. Yeah, where did you learn the art of desserts? I just feel like they're, making desserts is so different than making dinner. Yeah. Um, and what, what like, how did you come to that? And how did you, these are things that I, I, I like to bake, but this layer cake for example <laughs> is not you can a do thing it. You can do i don't it. know you can do it. um <laughs> I, I have the patience you know, i would say the baking section was in some ways the hardest one for me because i don't um have a great technical understanding of baking and so you can really only change like one thing when you bake something you know like if it doesn't work out you're like okay I, it needs more right whatever it needs more leavening it needs less sugar and then you like 
make it again with that one change. And but then, if you like, change three things at once, then you come back and you're like, well, it does different, but now I don't, I don't know, know why. <laughs> and like the gingerbread in there, like, I mean, I had made a gingerbread for a long time that I, I thought was pretty good. And then I was like, I bet I could make it better. And then it just started. I like it was like Pandora's box. Right. Like, I made that gingerbread probably like ten times. You know, I was like, okay, now this time I'm just gonna tweak the like. Yeah. And then I went through a period where it was like collapsing, and I couldn't. You know, but you, what you can do. I hope your listeners know about this, but the King Arthur Baker's Hotline. Oh. It's a free hotline. Like an actual call them up on the phone hotline? Yes. They pick up on like the second Shh, ring. Stop. Yes. It's, ama- it's amazing. You, they're, they're open like nine to six. What? Extra hours around the holidays. And they're just like regular people. Who really know. Sitting, who really know baking. Just sitting around like waiting for your call. Get out of town. It's amazing. So I've called That's them incredible. a lot. Um, That's so cool. And just been like, well, this is happening. Like, what do you think? Um, you know, and they have, of course, like lots of their own you know, recipes, but they are happy to help with like, I've any used recipe. their recipes and I have for just home for li- yeah. like projects at home. And also there, the website is a great like wealth of information yeah. on lots of different flowers and leaveners and what equivalences happens and yeah. like all of that equivalent 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 whatever <laughs> you guys know yeah. it's equivalent ish. It's, it's interesting, but they get like at the King Arthur, I just did a, a a little interview with them and they get like 500 calls 400 calls a day wow. a lot of calls yeah that's a lot People of have calls. a lot of questions we did it around the holidays too we did like 24 48 hours going into thanksgiving yeah. where we collected everybody's questions and try- worked really hard to answer all of them and it was incredibly fun like I, we loved it but it was a lot it was a lot yeah yeah People a lot help. of stuff people don't know they're you like know, i do think the nice thing is like anyone you can learn to cook like any time. You know, it's not right. like like I wanted to be a jockey when I was a kid, like horse jockey. You're much too tall. I'm six feet tall. And I was like pretty <laughs> much six feet tall when I was like 13 years old. And I remember my mom and I'm not like a slender, you know, jockey build. And my mom was like, you know, the dream, dream is going to die. Yeah. yeah. And uh, She's like lean yeah, out. You yeah, got to lean, lean out lean on this whole jockey, jockey thing. <laughs> exactly. And. You know, I'm like never gonna like run like Usain Bolt. Like I'm not gonna play the violin like mm-hmm. Yo Yo Ma. Like there are things like those doors are closing. They have closed, not closing. They have closed. You know, and I think they like are predicated on having like some sort of like natural ability, ability. or affinity. And I don't think that cooking is like that. Right. And, like, you can like pick it up tomorrow. Like it's think- a ne- and it's also like a never ending pursuit. I think yeah. even you know people who feel like they're pretty good cooks. You're never done. There's always some new yeah. thing or another technique or a dish you haven't made or or going deeper. Like you have this gingerbread and you could tweak that forever, forever. you know. Um, and then people ask you for the recipe and you'll give them like the one from four versions yeah. ago. And <laughs> the be like, beta it's version. not the same. And yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think sometimes people make the mistake of starting like they come out of the gate. I'm, I'm like really with the sports horse metaphors. Yeah, here, but it's like great. It, too strong. They're like, huh, I don't know how to cook. So I'm going to start with like this super ambitious thing. And you're just setting yourself up to fail. I'm like, right. start with like spaghetti alio olio. Like right. start with like a lamb ragu that's like super forgiving. Like, you know, start with like one of the salads, like the roasted carrots with, bro- you know, like the burrata and the salsa verde. Like you got to kind of stay yeah. in your lane, right? right? Like, because I think if you start, out like too strong and then you get discouraged you're like it failed because you don't have like a sort of understanding about any of the processes right oh yeah i want to talk about 
kitchen equipment. Yeah. Because I think people talk about recipes a lot and like having a great recipe and having something that's described well and has good visual cues and has accessible ingredients and then don't necessarily account for the fact that half of the kitchens are equipped with like garbage pots yeah. and pans. Yeah. And I really realize this when I travel and I stay yes. in Airbnbs. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I like, again, I can cook. I stayed in Airbnb last year for a shoot that we were doing. Lovely, lovely house. So nicely designed. It was like a mid-century modern place in Joshua Tree. Like so great, such great taste. Like everything was so comfortable. And I went into the kitchen. I was like, oh, it's like going to be like that. Yeah. You know, the only spoon in the drawer is like <laughs> an 14 inches long and, and has a giant like silicone oh, yeah. that yep. you could like wash a baby <laughs> in the end of the spoon. I'm like, that's all I've got for yeah. stirring. Yeah. And I tried to poach an egg and like couldn't even poach. It was, it was like crazy. Yeah. So sort of essential equipment do you have a philosophy around that i don't have a lot of well i don't have a lot of space Mm -hmm. so there's four of us in this 850 square foot house so i can't like stockpile tons of weird stuff which is good it's good yeah and yeah i'm sort of a minimalist like i have like a decent set of pots and pans like not a crazy set you know not like a copper set if somebody wants to send me one that would be fine but no (laughs) i have like one copper saucepan that i hauled back from france like you know 20 years ago I have like a bunch of cast iron mm-hmm. pans. I have like some regular stainless steel pans, you know, like a couple sizes. Um, and do you feel like there are things that home cooks think they need that they really don't? Yeah. I mean, I always like, it's always funny what people like register for their weddings. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? Like, really? You don't need those like, s- like those egg shaping cups to make your egg like perfectly round. Right. Know, like all that weird stuff. Like those single use appliances. I'm very, I take a very dim view of the single use. The gadgetry. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have a microplane. I think that's useful. Yep. I mean, I feel like people are always blowing it like on, like just get one, like, one knife like right. just have one knife that you keep sharp like even if that means that you like send it i don't sharpen my own knives i send them to somebody i'm leaning out that's the worst when you go to a rental house and you're like oh they're the, all the serrated ones sweet like just like a dull paring <laughs> knife and like you have to like channel your inner italian grandma yeah i'll just cut everything in my palm exactly this. um but yeah otherwise like i don't have like i don't have a vitamix i mean there's stuff that i'm like oh that might be fun to mess around with but like i don't have an instant pot i don't have like a crock pot I have a mixer because I like to bake, and I think that's useful. Microwave? I do have a microwave that I use for, like, three things. Reheating Chinese food, mm-hmm. heating up milk for coffee, mm. and steaming broccoli for my children. Amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I it's, thought you were going to say, that I don't have one, but I would use it for melting butter, yeah. softening ice cream, oh. and, yeah, reheating the tea that got cold. Yeah. I mean, it's like, not... <laughs> It's not, not really earning its keep. I don't have the counter space for no, that. No, it's mine's in the pantry. So that's what, like, if it were on the counter, I would probably have gotten rid of it. And we've, like, auditioned things. Like, had a soda stream for a while, and then it started to, like, not work that well. And so now that's, like, gone. you know, gone. And I don't hang on to stuff. I just let like, it go. I let it go. But I was at a church bazaar the other day in my hometown in Vermont, and they had uh, a KitchenAid mixer there. Wow. And I already have a KitchenAid mixer, like right. one of the newer ones. But I think like some of the older ones, like my mom has one of the, I mean, she's had it since the 70s, and it's like a workhorse. It's, they're amazing. My mom has one from forever. So they had one of these old ones with all the stuff, you know, like the beaters yeah. and the bowl. $25. Stop. So I, I've got it. I'm a sucker for cast iron, which is not neither small nor um, lightweight. No. 
and it's a it's like a borderline problem yeah. but especially <laughs> at at thrift yeah. events and so like bazaars and they're amazing yeah. we find like All really silky. old ones it's better to get fewer better things same with shoes. Same with shoes. Like, so worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't buy cheap like, shoes. I feel like this is a mature yes. approach to life. Like, I told you I'm turning 40 this year. And I'm like, I'm Mazel. just going to like, thank you. You know, like the clothes thing. Yeah. I'm like, I'm only going to buy like, I'll just buy one sweater a year. Right. But I'm going to make it like a really nice sweater <laughs> that I like love. From the row. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just like a fancy, nice, like the one that you want to buy, but instead you like buy six cheaper ones right. that you don't like as much. See, I can only have like the nicer things have to be like further and further away from the the hands and the face part of my body. Uh-huh. So like <laughs> I can have nice shoes yeah. because... Um, I'm less likely to drop oil on them and ruin them. Whereas yes. like I may not have nice shirts. Right. Like that is just not, yeah. it's just in inevitably. I think I'm getting further away from my children using me as like their walking napkin. Yes. I mean, that's the hope. I feel like I have a bag that's sort of like a trash can that I carry on my shoulder, like <laughs> this tote bag. And I'm like, what's in here? Like, oh, like snacks. The literally and, garbage. Yeah. And my son, my four-year-old just sits next to me and I see him like reach over and I'm like, you have a napkin. Like use your napkin, not my pants. Yeah, we say put your napkin on your lapkin. Yes, so yeah. do we. This was so great. I'm really excited to cook from this book. Awesome. This is one that for me also, I think having the kids, it never ends the problem of what are we going to do? And then having someone else's repertoire, I think also is really exciting. It's like you have your own bag of tricks. Like I have my own things. Yeah. And it's like going over to somebody else's house and playing with their toys. Like totally. and there's a lot of books that come into the office that stay in the office. Sure. And then there are books that come into the office. that's like this, this one's coming home. Good. So yeah, congrats. And thank like, you. thank you so much for coming in. I'm happy to be here, and I want to hear how that cake turns out, so give it a shot. Oh, yeah, that layer cake? Yeah, yeah I'll jump on it. that. You can do it. <laughs> All right, thanks to Carla and Jessica, and now here is Emil with Marlon and Cosmo in a very sophisticated conversation about what kids like to eat. Yeah, Yeah, we can hear you. The Bon Appetit Kid Cast. Yeah. So we are here on the Bon Appetit Kid Cast, no adults allowed. We got some popcorn. We got some gummies. We got Cosmo music. We got Marlon Rappaport. Marlon, Marlon, how old are you? Ten and a half. Is that true? America. Is that true? (laughs) Maybe. All right, we'll we'll take it. We'll We'll, we'll we'll go. Let's just go with nine. Oh, all right. Three, let's no. go with nine and three quarters. I'm ten and a half, people. Believe me. Marlon self-identifies as a ten and a half year old. Doesn't matter how old he really is. Cosmo, how old are you? In real life or? Uh, you know, whatever you want. I would say, <laughs> annoying-wise, I'm 27. Okay, cool. So we got a 27-year-old and a ten and a half year old. Hi. Guys, so here's the thing about the two of you that makes you different from most other kids is that the We're two of you, kids. you're Bon App kids, which means that you have parents who think that they know everything about food. But they don't. But they don't, clearly. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so what I wanna know is, the first thing I wanna know is, what is the thing that you're, you know 
about food that your parents don't know? Marlon, why don't you go first? Firstly, kids are picky eaters. You don't expect kids to I'm be vegetarian. like, ooh, fancy, like, dynasty thingy. I want you to call I mean, what's it called again? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what's it called? Oh, my God. Um, what is it called? Delicacy, I mean. Yeah, del- uh, like, delicacy. Ooh, fancy delicacy. Like, that, like, is super rare. Like, do you expect kids when they're, like, seven to eat that? Hypothetically. No. They're like, ooh, like, they're like, oh, that's, like. Cool and everything, but I'll just have some mac and cheese. So, Cosmo, what about you? What's the thing that What's the thing that your mom, Carla, doesn't know about food that you know? How to make really good dough balls crispy. Oh. Well, you want to tell us you want you want to tell us how to make dough balls. Dough balls really crispy. Um, I just usually go with. Wait. Also, what is a dough ball? I don't know what this is. I don't know what this means. It's like a. I sort of invented it. Mm-hmm. It's a ball of dough that you is first like a circle, but it's not round. What kind it's of like dough flat. is this? Is this like pizza dough or something like that? Ah, uh, yeah, you can use pizza dough. You like tape, take a fruit or something like that, like a berry, mm-hmm. and put it in the middle and close up the ball and roll it up. And sprinkle some sugar over it, and it's really good. Oh, so this is like cooked dough. It's like you could take like a piece of white bread and like put the berry in it, ball it up, roll it in cinnamon sugar. Yeah. That sounds really good. That's more of a dessert dough ball from what I'm used to having dough ball-wise. Like all of dough <laughs> balls with my pizza. Mm. Or garlic knots. Garlic knots are really good. Oh, yeah. Most kids don't know about garlic knots, but Emil, when you have a kid, mm-hmm. teach him or her that garlic knots are, are great. the best garlic and have them with pizza although right. you'll eat more garlic knots than pizza that's right. how good they are gotcha so what i want to know is speaking of garlic knots and other foods that some kids don't know about that that might be a, a thing for you guys is there might be foods that you know are good kid foods that other kids might not know about cosmo what are what what are some some foods that kids should know about for all Ex- the kids out there. Extra cheesy, like, pasta or something like that. Mm. Extra cheesy mac and cheese. So they might not think to ask for it extra cheesy, but you got the end. You know it is possible. Miles, what about you? Creamy mac and cheese. Most kids are like, oh, this mac and cheese feels a bit dry. That's how every kid thinks. The real trick is you need some milk and butter. Put it in there once the mac and cheese is done. Mix it, mix it, mix it mm. until like it gets super creamy, and your kid will love mac and cheese. So okay. Unless like they hate cream, and also another forgotten food by kids is is deep fried Oreos. Oh. Almost no, actually every kid I've ever known doesn't know what the heck they are, but they're so darn good. They're like, they're like Marlon, what's your favorite food? I'm like deep fried Oreos, and they're like what? I'm like deep fried Oreos are what they are called, deep fried Oreos. Where do you have deep fried Oreos? At carnivals, but Mm. if I'm somehow able to get my hands on them, I'll get as much as I can. Ain't no stopping you. (laughs) 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 All right, so going back to like your parents working at a fancy food magazine, what what is the best thing about that? And what is the most annoying thing about that? Really good smash burgers and mac and cheese and pasta and 
Well, my dad's not good at making a salad, but my mom is. She doesn't work here. P.S. to all the viewers. <laughs> Shots fired. You hear that, And Adam? also... Um, step your salad game up. Well, he just doesn't like making Caesar dressing, mostly because there's anchovies in them, which I don't know why he has a great fear of anchovies. Did an anchovy bite him? No. <laughs> and the bad part about them always and always, 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 um, like being like, well, my dad, being part of some fancy food magazines, like, Marlon, try, like, this really cool food. But it's actually just, like, some vegetables mm, chopped up. Evil! Like, Evil! <laughs> no, I'm talking about you. You oh, don't like vegetables. You monster. I'm vegetables vegetarian. I love vegetables. <laughs> I am vegetarian. Caesar salad is the only good vegetable there is. No, it isn't. Guys, things have gone off the rails a little bit. I have zero darns. I, I got... I got okay, so maybe, maybe we'll just abandon this question for a second. Fine. Cosmo, Fine. you're a vegetarian, I heard, just now. Tell me a little bit more about that. What made you decide to become a vegetarian? I just decided it randomly one time. I just walked downstairs and said, I'm vegetarian. What, what did your mom say when you told her that? She was okay with it, and she thought if I wanted to do it, then... I should. Cool. So she was like, if, she's like, if you want to be a vegetarian, cool, be a vegetarian. What are, how do, how do you think, like, what are, what are some things that have changed about the food that you eat now that you're a vegetarian? Are there certain things that you're, that you've started eating that you didn't eat before? Mm. I eat more beans now. Mm. What are your favorite kinds of beans? Black beans. Mm. Do you like them like whole or you like them mashed up? Um, either way, I don't really mind. <laughs> so, like, black beans, any which way. Do you have any favorite, favorite veg? I know, I know vegetables are not Marlon's favorite thing. We know Marlon's favorite vegetable is Caesar salad. Cosmo, what are your, what are your top three favorite vegetables? Beets, I sort of like. Beets? How do you like the beets? You like them raw? Beets don't kale my vibe. <laughs> <laughs> raw, cooked? Anyway. Anyway. Okay, number two. Um. Folks, what you can't see right now at home is that there is one gummy candy left. Cosmo. And Cosmo is keeping that one gummy candy away from Marlon. Are you going to share it, Cosmo? No. No? All right. So... Let's forget about vegetables. We don't need to talk about vegetables anymore. Yeah, stupid vegetables. All right. Other than dough balls, what are your favorite things to cook? Do you ever get to get in the kitchen and make something yourself when your parents aren't looking or maybe when they are looking? Scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs. A golden brown. A golden brown. Will you explain to us a little bit more what a golden brown is? Because that's the thing that your mom it's, invented, right? Yes, but my dad claimed he invented it. He Classic. He perfected it, then I perfected it way more. Okay, so let's t t walk us through a perfect golden it's brown. It's a flat omelet, and on the top of it, it has like a brown, like stripes almost, like mm -hmm. stripes like a tiger. But my dad usually doesn't add the stripes part, which makes it so golden. Mm. So that's the one problem. So I made it truly golden, and basically, I didn't like how he cut it up into large four by four slices. Mm -hmm. So I made it really small, like 
I just randomly cut like really thinly with the knife. So like you, it's like you can't even count small. So basically, it's like you just scramble an egg and then you put it into a hot yeah. pan and then it kind of just with like butter. with butter, and then it cooks, and then you take it out and slice it into pieces. Yes. All right, Cosmo. Are there any things that you like to cook when your mom's there or or not there? Scrambled eggs. So it's both both of you like cooking eggs. That's Omelets. cool. Omelets. What's your what's your egg scrambled egg technique? I just look away for like a minute, mm-hmm. reading a book, and then go back to the pan and fry the omelet. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so you get the pan hot and walk away and read a book, and then you come back and put the eggs in. No, I. The omelet, the eggs are already in. I wait like three minutes and then get it into its omelet shape. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you put it into, uh, onto a plate and eat it. Yeah. How do you guys feel about ketchup on your eggs? No. No. I like a little hot sauce myself. You like hot sauce? Yeah. No. Maybe with chips. I don't know why. Hmm. Why is it good. different with <clears throat> chips? I don't know why. Well, chips and eggs are different a whole different animal. Yeah, but I've only had chips and hot sauce once, Dad. You're not going to be like, um, uh, um, uh, Marlon, you've never had hot sauce and chips. Dude, that's a pretty good Adam impression. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, um, uh, uh, uh. All right, so I got a question for both of you. I want to know what your perfect food day looks like. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, what's on the menu? Omelet for breakfast, mm-hmm. bacon, and more eggs for lunch. But you were a vegetarian. You were saying if you weren't a vegetarian. Yeah. Okay, so bacon and so omelet for breakfast, scrambled eggs and more bacon for lunch. And pasta for dinner. Really pa- creamy pasta. Like Alfredo or something like that. Mm, that sounds. Is is there like a midday snack anywhere in there? I mean, not not really, not usually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Marles, what about you? Okay, so my morning, my breakfast, it'd be cinnamon cereal. Ooh. They What's make it. That? It's mini cinnamon buns that taste really good. And after that, for brunch, waffles and bacon. Waffles and bacon for and lunch. And then as my midday snack, I'd have some gummy watermelons, which are currently being Ain't having it. Ain't captive it. by Cosmo. And my lunch would probably... They already had lunch. You had, you had waffles and... You had waffles, waffles and... That was brunch. Okay, so you got brunch, <laughs> waffles and bacon after your Cinnabon cereal, and then lunch? Bon. Bon, sorry. It's good, it's good. Some very creamy mac and cheese. (laughs) Yeah, and then for dinner, I would probably have, like, um, pizza from my favorite pizza place, which is sadly closed. Oh, no. R.I.P. Company. With some Fanta soda. Mm. Hmm? What flavor of Fanta? What's that? Blue or orange. I'm okay with either. I don't really know what Fanta soda is. What is it? It's that? like this orange flavored soda, but they have other flavors. But orange is the OG. You've never heard the commercial for F- 
Oh, and guys. Wanna Fanta. Don't you wanna, wanna Fanta. Uh, wait, what's on the pizza at company? Um, it'd be just margarita pizza. Just margarita pizza. Classic. Classic. And then uh, for dessert, mm-hmm. I'd have a bunch of Lindor lint truffles because they're so darn good. You fancy, huh? They're not that fancy. It's true. It's well, like I mean, at the Oscars, they had like giant, like three giant things of them at every table. And no one ate them. Are you kidding me, celebrities? Okay, if you two were in charge of Bon Appetit magazine, I want to know what would be on the cover of your first issue as an editor-in-chief of Bon Appetit magazine. A square watermelon, (laughs) but cut into a bowl. So then, a watermelon that has a little hole in it could have juice. But then... There'll be some space around the square watermelon bowl. <laughs> so there are many circle carved seedless watermelons around that. But inside, it'll be that watermelon thing with the little hole in it. has a big hole in the circle of it, which is a giant circle with a watermelon juice in it. So it's basically a watermelon display. With a watermelon juice. All right, so that's Marlon's cover. Cosmo, what's, what's, what's on the cover oh. of... Of Cosmo Appetite magazine. A gummy watermelon in a box. So what you see before you, which is a small plexiglass (laughs) box with but one watermelon candy in it. All right, my friends, Cosmo, Marlon, thank you so much for coming on the Bon Appetit Kidcast. You're welcome, my dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Bon Appetit. Yum! Peace out, my viewers. (laughs) Bye! The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Carrie Polis and Christina Che and produced and edited by Emma Wartsman. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wartsman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.